Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Making it in today's business environment isn't about hanging out a shingle and selling lots of widgets. It's about constantly reinventing yourself, creating your own unique brand, and in some cases, branding yourself as an expert in helping others create their own brand. It's business 21st century style, and Baton Rougeans are proving themselves adept at playing by the new rules. Joining me today is Carrie Bonacaz, owner of Bonacaz Absinthe and Home, a Baton Rouge-based manufacturer, wholesaler, and retailer of absinthe products, fountains, spoons, glasses, and sugar cubes used to prepare traditional French absinthe as it was made in the Belle Epoque. Now, you would think there would be a limited market for this, not in the least because the heyday of absinthe was not in the last century, but in the one before that, but you would be wrong. Though Bonacaz Absinthe and Home occupies a niche market, to be sure, the company sells to a robust clientele that includes Las Vegas casinos, large-scale absinthe distilleries, and mom-and-pop retailers around the U.S. and Canada. It's an interesting business, but then Kerry is an interesting guy. In his previous life, he was the co-founder and very excellent drummer of the hometown band that made it big in the 1990s, better than Ezra. Carrie, thank you so much for being with us today on Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me. Fun guest. And with me and Carrie is Kate Gremion, founder and CEO of Mavenly & Company, a professional development company that provides tools and resources for young women to have honest conversations about creating career and lifestyle with purpose. Kate has a related business, Mavenly Consulting, which works with businesses to attract and retain millennial and women talent in the workplace. Kate has worked with young women across the country through group workshops, corporate training, and private coaching to equip them with the resources and mindset they need to pursue work that works for them. She also hosts a weekly podcast on iTunes, Women, Work, and Worth, and has been featured in Forbes, Fortune, Business Insider, and Her Agenda. Kate, it's a pleasure to have you here with us, a national presence in the local market. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Well, Carrie, when we talk about new business model for the 21st century and the need to constantly reinvent yourself, you're sort of the epitome of this. Rock star drummer. How did you go from better than Ezra to absinthe, and and not only absinthe, but absinthe accessory wholesaler, manufacturer, and retailer? Well, um, being on the road as much as we were, I kind of just got to a point where I, I wanted to stay in one place. So I decided to open a store in the French Quarter that was, uh, I found that, that there was a, a void of French products in the French Quarter that weren't antique. So I opened a store called Vive la France and we started selling um, actually like food products from France. Sure. Uh, soaps, perfumes, etc., and home goods. And eventually, um, either visiting uh, a family in France or uh, I, I started collecting um, 
started hearing about um, absinthe. Uh, absinthe spoons, um, for instance, I've always uh, found very unique and, and interesting. And uh, there was actually a, a store in the French Quarter called Lucullus, which is still there. Sure. And they are still a, a, a big authority on absinthe in the United States. But um, I would see different absinthe antique items there and just little by little just started to get this itch to, to get into the market to start buying some. So it was, it was more of a hobby. Mm -hmm. So I started collecting and I would put all of my extra pieces like in the window or sell, try to sell them in the store. And the funny thing is, is they were selling so quickly. Sometimes I could put something in the window and they were sold like that day. Um, and then I ended up contacting a guy um, who made reproductions in France. He's, um, um, and he talked me into, I only wanted a few fountains. He ended up talking me into a container of, uh, of absinthe wear. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, he said that there was no one selling it um, wholesale in the United States. So I went ahead and uh, took the plunge and, and uh, started selling wholesale from there and, and also retailing the products inside my store. And you are in Baton Rouge, though, now, based in Baton Rouge. I, that, right. That was originally in the French Quarter. And you've since moved here. I have, established yes. that you are local in Baton Rouge. Exactly. Totally oh, yes. cool story. And I have so many questions. I want to know all about absinthe. But I do sure. want to bring Kate into the conversation because you have a very interesting business as well and a blog and a consulting firm that helps people, and specifically women and younger women, find their find their inner Kate, that special son that they're <laughs> inner Carrie. You know, they know what they are called to do. How did you discover your inner gift for helping people to do this? Yeah. And, and what does it take to help somebody find their niche. Absolutely. So this was a product of my own journey to finding out what my thing was. <laughs> so I actually went to school in New Orleans at Loyola University and I studied communications there and everyone told me that I was supposed to work at this big high-powered PR firm and wear the pencil skirt and the stilettos and that was kind of the narrative that was set forth for me and um, I did that. I, I got the high-powered job in Dallas, Texas and I was there for all of two weeks before I realized, <laughs> you know, this could might as well be a coffin instead of a cubicle is what it felt like. It just was like slowly dying inside and so the only thing I knew how to do at that point, you know, I'd been in school my whole life is research. So I started talking to women all over the country that I thought had these amazing jobs and careers and really found those um, themes and and kind of the similarities between women who liked their work and maybe women who were looking for something like that. Um, and then I just started writing about it. And so a blog turned into a podcast and a podcast turned into a consulting firm, um, all because I just did the research of what actually makes people happy at work, what makes them tick. And I found that women were just so responsive and kind of looking for that direction in their careers because there are so many things vying for your attention, especially when you're transitioning from college to the workplace. So how do we find our thing? And so really it was trial and error and research for my own happiness in my own workplace that um, you know kind of transpired into a so career. interesting and those years are so hard I mean I think yeah. the early to mid 20s have got to be the toughest absolutely, absolutely. I mean really people don't realize that so but so so no training to be a consultant actually self-training <laughs> right exactly and I actually co-founded a company with someone who is an organizational psychologist for that exact reason you know I'm here doing it you know kind of uh, boots on the ground figuring out oh, well I don't like this and I do like this and so here's just kind of my personal perspective once I started consulting I said you know I'm gonna need some Someone to come in who kind of knows the theory and academic based research behind all of this and so my co-founder Talia Delju she um, actually used to consult with Zappos and Disney on workplace culture
culture. And so she's um, much more the expert than I am. I'm lucky to get to be the face, but she's definitely the woman behind the scenes making making everything move and keeping the trains on schedule. And sure. how many how many followers, for instance, do you have for your yeah. blog and your and your YouTube and Yeah, absolutely. So our podcast is definitely our most popular way that we communicate with our audience. So we have 120,000 women worldwide that listen to our podcast. That's fantastic. And it's and we're just very, very grateful nice. to the uh, iTunes podcast community. They have made that very very exciting and possible for us. That's so. great. Okay, so that that's your market. Carrie, tell me about the market for the absinthe products. And and absinthe it wasn't even legal for for most of the 20th century. It had been outlawed many many decades ago and then recently right. became legal again. It was uh, banned in the United States in 1912. Uh-huh. And um, ni- uh, 2007, it became legal again. So it was, it was 95 years. And what they did is they basically just adapted the, the same standard as the European Union. Because when the EU formed, it was legal uh, to drink or to make absinthe in some countries. Some it wasn't. So they just kind of came up with this standard. And uh, the United States ended up finding that, yeah, that, that's, that there's really nothing and wrong with it. why had it been banned? Why was it different than gin or any other sort of whiskey? It, it kind of just got a bad rap, really. <laughs> there was really nothing wrong with it. It's, it's, uh, it's prepared the same way as most other alcohols. It's, you know, it's distilled. Some of the herbs are uh, a little different. But um, it had gotten so popular, um, there was a, a plant that decimated the wine industry in France. Mm-hmm. And uh, absinthe was taking over the market. In fact, there was more absinthe sold at the turn of the last century in France than wine. Wow. Yes. So wow. Uh, a way of getting back the uh, powerful wine lobbyists to put in the ear of um uh, so it's not like a drug. I mean, no, you don't really get never, high from it. No, you no, just no. get a buzz. The, the neat thing about absinthe is, yes, it's an alcohol, so it's a depressant, but the herbs are stimulants. Ooh. So, yeah, so a lot of <laughs> times when people drink it, they, they kind of feel like a, a sense of awareness and uh, um, like a lucidity. It's, it's, it, it's, not a, um, it's not a depressant, and it's, it's actually very enjoyable. Most people that try it correctly um, – one of the first things they say is, is that it's refreshing. They had no idea um, that it was supposed to taste like that. Most of the time, it's prepared way too strong, and it just turns it, it turns you off. Um, so, who is the market for your products? Oh my gosh, it's it's really across the board. Um, besides the absinthe products, we also make uh, a number of other. Um, uh, items that are um, French inspired, like turn of the last century. So we also do like marble bistro tables and other things like that. But as far as the absinthe, um, not only we, do we have the distilleries, uh, we have European distilleries that purchase from us that we, that we um, brand there. We have in-house branding on all of our products. So we have uh, restaurants, um, uh, uh, like, like you said, mom and pop shops mm-hmm. all over, in fact, all over the world. Um, we, we, we do cater mostly to the United States and Canada, but we do ship, um, we have uh, companies all over the world that purchase from us. Yeah. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to former Better Than Ezra drummer Carrie Bonacaz of Bonacaz Absinthe and Home and Kate Grumion of Mavenly and Company. We'll be right back after this very short break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to former Better Than Ezra drummer Carrie Bonacaz of Bonacaz Absinthe and Home and Kate Grumion of Mavenly and Company. Kate, 
with respect to your business, has the Me Too movement affected, you know, interest in, in your blogs and podcasts mm-hmm. and, and just Absolutely. in what you teach people to do in general? Oh, 100%. I think, you know, we are really fortunate to be starting a woman-focused business, you know, two years kind of ahead of the curve of when people are really starting to have these conversations. You know, we originally, when we started Mavenly Consulting, going into these businesses, I mean, you would hear crickets when we were talking about the importance of, you know, focusing on women in the workplace and how women experience work differently from men. Um, It was just something that was so misunderstood. And and frankly, if you didn't have women on your leadership team, it wasn't a conversation at all. And it's totally different now. You know, we're being approached by companies that say, oh, we're realizing this is an issue and and we desperately need you to come in and and have these conversations with us. So, you know, we're so fortunate to be having this moment in time while our business is focusing on a similar problem that we identified, you know, four years ago, but is now, you know, so much of the conversation Mm -hmm. in the media and in the public about how are women experiencing work differently and how can we make it um, a conversation about, um, you know, just equitable experiences in the workplace. Do you have employees? Yes. How many? So I have eight employees total. So some of those are uh, contract employees and some of them are full time. Uh, My co-founder and I started out and then realized, you know, as we've kind of grown, we've, we've needed more people to come on, but most are not local. Most of them are kind of all over the country. We've really taken advantage of this kind of gig economy and virtual economy and that we have a lot of employees that get to be in a lot of different places. So do you work out of a virtual office? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're actually... Fortunately, one of our clients is um, WeWork, and so we can work out of their offices kind of anywhere in the country. But, um, yeah, we'll be in coffee shops. You know, Magpie on, on Berkman's Road is one of my favorite, quote-unquote, offices. That's a happening office spot. Exactly. That's Carrie, awesome. what about you? Your products come from all over the world, mostly Europe, uh, France? Well, we, we actually manufacture our products you in Asia. You make everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. And some in Europe. And so um, everything is housed here and wow. shipped out of Baton Rouge. And, and do you design them, like modeled after antiques? I mean, they're basically yes. reproductions that you're making in China. Yes, there are some things that we that we reproduce, um, uh, but many of them and most of them are exact reproductions because that's the whole kicker. You right, know? right, right. Yes, we we actually on the on the retail side we also sell uh, antiques, uh, uh, French. I mean, uh, antique absinthe Okay. But we want everything to uh, on the. Uh, on the manufacturing side to be as close as possible to sure. yes and fact, you we actually have designed Rouge. them or um, the products the yeah. spoons and the oh, I, yeah well as reproductions of the originals yeah I mean like I, I will go and find something that I want to make um, when it comes to some of our other items we will go through and, and maybe change the wording and text to, to so that it's not, we don't want something to be construed as being an antique. We want it to be a reproduction. So at the, uh, really, um, everything is, you know, stamped Bonacaz, but also um, a lot of things we have Baton Rouge mm. print st- stamped on the bottom oh, interesting. as well. Yeah. Well, I want to switch gears for a moment, y'all. This is a part of the show we call Another Great Idea. So maybe you've got a friend who always has a great idea for you. They tell you about a job to apply for or a guy you should have a cup of coffee with or a great investment opportunity. And maybe you take this advice and it turns out well. Maybe you ignore the advice and wish you hadn't. Or maybe you're glad you took it. Can you think of a situation like this? Did you take the advice or not? And how did it turn out for you? 
Absolutely. So, um, and it's so funny that we're talking about this because one of my mentors here locally in Baton Rouge was the person who gave me this advice. You know, originally we were working kind of, you know, business to consumer directly with young women and, and having these conversations with them about how to change their own career. Um, and Beverly Brooks Thompson, who's local to Baton Rouge and an amazing mentor of mine and I'm a huge fan of hers. I remember sitting down to lunch. I'm trying to, you know, I'm working tirelessly to sell tickets to this event and it's just going terribly and, and I'm not selling enough tickets. She said, you know, you should really consider talking to businesses about this they have budgets for this type of thing you know they're employing the women that you're trying to work with and it seems like there might from an accountability standpoint be be a better option there and at first I was super hesitant I was just really focused and frankly kind of stubborn about the business model that I had um, and it ended up being the best business decision we could have made is to pivot to a more b2b or business to business model um, and so she's the person who gave me that advice that I think at first I was hesitant whether or not it was a great idea but it ended up being a wonderful idea that's wonderful and a plug for Beverly, an alum of this show. Yeah. What about you, Carrie? I don't know if I had, um, I, I, I guess if, if you go back a little bit for me, probably the, and I wouldn't even call it advice, but I just, I remember um, my, my father at one point saying something about, because he also played drums. Did it? And he, yes, Profe- and like professionally or is it just a no, side thing? No, um, locally, but okay. he, was, he, was, he was good. Um, but I remember at one point him saying, and it always stuck with me that uh, if he could make a living doing that, he would have. Wow. And it just, it's that it, when we started Better Than Ezra, that's part of what, um, I, it kind of just stuck in my head, you know, I'm thinking, um, this is, this is a blast. I'm with, you know, my <laughs> best friends. We're just, we're just, we're having, you know, having fun. And if we can make a living at this, you know, and that's, that's actually kind of what pushed, helped push me, believe it or not. That's great. Yeah. What do you do? You wish you were still playing drums full time. I know y'all get together every once in a while. Well, but it's, it's funny. I'm actually going to be. Um, I'm starting. I'm, I'm, this is brand new. In fact, we've only had one practice. But uh, we are looking to start up, uh, starting up another band. The same members of BT. Uh, no, 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 different no, group. Different, completely different. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. So it'll be it'll be local, and we'll we'll play pretty much locally. It's not going to be anything serious you know just something for fun but um the guys are all local musicians and they're they're really good and it's you know it's kind of an honor to play with them too how how different is it having being a business owner now than it was being a drummer and being on the road and touring and playing and everything that side of it is um was just uh, a whirlwind i mean it was you you, it, it was nonstop. but at the same time there's a lot more business like once I, th- I don't think that people quite understand when you're to become successful like that. There's there's a lot of business. I mean, there's a lot of luck, but there's also business de- yeah. decisions that we um, you know that we work on. Sure. Um, so you actually kind of do end up becoming somewhat of a business person, mm-hmm. you know, through that process. Um, leaving that and starting, you know, everything now is on my shoulders, which um, I love and. Um, so, you know, it's it's um, it's it's kind of a, a nonstop process. Interesting. Do you wish you were still playing full time? Do you um, miss it? No. Uh, sometimes I do, but I think overall um, I, I enjoy what I really enjoy what I do. I love getting up um, and doing this. I mean, I've I've, I've I think I, I don't know. Probably in high school is the last time I maybe worked for someone. Yeah. So I loved. Thank you. It looks great, by the way. Um, so I love working um, for myself. Yeah. You know, being being able to um, 
uh, you know, at the same time, I listen to employees and, and I love feedback. I love throwing things off against the wall and thinking outside the box and, and looking for others for, um, for uh, I guess, for um, advice and, and et cetera. But no, I, I absolutely love, love what I'm doing. I, I would not go back to that, not to that, um, that, um, that hectic pace, yeah, the lifestyle. Pace, I guess, yes. I know working for yourself is wonderful, and, and I loved it. What kind of advice, Kate, do you give you know your clients who want to strike out on their own mm-hmm. because it's so daunting? Yeah, absolutely. It's so hard. I mean, and where yeah. do you start? And and that always priming the pump, always having to be looking for that next gig. Right, absolutely. And I think that you know it's probably the unpopular advice in kind of the heyday of it seems like entrepreneur has become this very sexy or, or buzzword, <laughs> you know, type of thing where, oh, we get to have a startup and there's all these shows about it and we can go on Shark Tank. And, you know, I'm kind of the Debbie Downer when it comes to talking about entrepreneurship because I think, you know, I appreciate honest conversations. You know, our podcast is all about honest conversations with women about work and life. And, you know, honestly, it's really hard to run your own business. It's really difficult. And so I'm maybe a little too honest about how difficult it is because I I think I was not prepared for that. I kind of saw the glitz and glamour of entrepreneurship and working for yourself and kind of went for it. And there's so many things I, I had no idea, you know, what to do. You know, my dad's a physician, my mom's a physical therapist. And so the business acumen was yeah. not something we talked about frequently. And so I uh, maybe didn't understand what it took to become an entrepreneur. And thankfully, we've been successful. But when people tell me they want to start their own business and, you know, they want to work for themselves and, you know, live their passion, um, I'm pretty quick to say, <laughs> hey, here's all, here's the, what that looks like here's what taxes look like when you own your own business so that's um, great is there like a financial toolkit or startup toolkit that you can give them to try to absolutely so we actually just created that because it's something we created for ourselves over the past four years you know we created this toolkit of here's you know how you process clients here's how you pay taxes here's like the invoicing software you need and so we've bundled all of that together and we sell it on our website specifically for that reason because so many women say I don't even know what tools to begin to invest in that is great. And, like and then that. and then did you like brand that and mm-hmm. did you like a I don't know if you have to trademark it or, yeah. or get a patent for it if it's your own package mm-hmm. of yeah, so it's Maven Lee's Behind the Business Toolkit. And so we've branded it, packaged it, and it's actually one of the most popular toolkits on our website. We have, you know, if you want to change careers or land a new job or things like that. But most people say, you know, I have no idea how to run a business. Yeah. And, and we didn't either, so it's all the things, you know, here's what we use to run our business, which I think a lot of women are so thankful for because just the time to figure out what you need to use is so much time and research and labor going into that as well. And I'm sure That's you can awesome. attest to that. That's yeah, I wish you had been around when I was my, <laughs> when I was my own communication <laughs> consulting. <laughs> who, who are your competitors, both of y'all? Who, who else is out there doing what you do? Yeah, so um, there's a couple of... Um I guess competitors online that don't do we all do kind of a variation of the same thing so they're all women empowerment or women in work platforms so there's uh, Levo League which is funded by Sheryl Sandberg which is based Mm. in New York yeah and so (laughs) we're we're definitely um, in terms of the small fish we're probably the only um, person in the space that's um, bootstrapped and and self-funded and so everyone else has received some type of funding and so you know they're expanding maybe they'll have a workshop in every major city you know once a month and, and that's by no means what we're doing and so it's a different business model but I think women you know when they have options for help with their career or their business it's um, you know sometimes a struggle for us to sell ourselves but ultimately you're getting that personal one-on-one attention from us as opposed to you know a startup that started by Sheryl Sandberg or backed by Sheryl Sandberg they have lots of resources but you're receiving something that's pre-packaged it's not going to be custom for you so um, you just kind of have to find your you know specific and so your clients are from all over all over and you're 
no local competitors. No, no local competitors. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we're really lucky that because of our podcast, we do have clients in Australia and yeah. Ireland and Japan. It's um, it's amazing to see. But, yeah. That's great. Over. Who else is selling absinthe <laughs> products, well, Carrie? Well, my, uh, my old business partner, the, the guy that I bought the container from in France, um, was the first and, and only at the time uh, maker of the reproduction pieces. So um, I ended up uh, splitting, um, I guess, in 2009 and making the products on my own. So there were, there are currently two. Okay. So, <laughs> In the whole so, world. Yes. He, Amazing. They, he handles Europe, and mm-hmm. we handle uh, the United States. You know, and the U.S. actually is the number one market, believe it or not, over Europe, where absinthe wow. was wildly popular. And, and how big is the absinthe market now? I mean... Uh, is it in all bars and restaurants and supermarkets? It is. It, it's, um, you can find absinthe in pretty much any, um, any liquor store. Uh, larger liquor stores will have a, a better variety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do have to say that if any of the listeners are going out li- uh, looking for absinthe, uh, uh, typically a French or a Swiss absinthe is the way to go. Uh, <laughs> uh, the U.S. also makes some great absinthe, but there are some that are uh, are, are not absinthe and actually are made with like um, food coloring and uh, oils. Yeah, particularly from the uh, like the Czech Republic. A lot no, of people no. I hear, especially when we had the, the, the museum, I had an absinthe museum in the French Quarter and people would come in and ask, you know, tell me about their uh, absinthe experience. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. no. I mean, I, I, honestly, I wouldn't say anything. Because uh, I, I thought it'd be rude to kind of, you know, put a, a downer sure. on their story. But uh, most people first try absinthe in um, in Europe in the Czech Republic, which is not. Uh, yeah, it's. it's Have not. you considered doing a, a podcast? Speaking of podcasts, yeah. or I mean, no, but some... she's amazing. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I'm. I'm I mean, I yeah, love, I love hearing you, you talk because you're, you're uh, so knowledgeable. Well, Kate, does your business cross over to men? I mean, would you do you have any male clients? Absolutely. So um, we not only have a few, I would say probably 10% of our private clients are male. Um, and that usually happens. They meet us and they say, I know you're really geared towards women, but I love what you all are doing. And I would really love Absolutely. to work with you. And um, yeah, we're really, I mean, actually one of our clients, he's a um, you know 40-year-old retired veteran and, and he's trying to start a company. And so we're working with him on, on doing that in the transition but we realize so much of this isn't gendered it's just we find women have traditionally been more receptive to um, the specific content that we're talking about but actually just last week we were talking to um, you know the southern uh, office of Red Bull and they were talking about how you know we think we're really going to change things for women in the workplace by having a conversation with men and women so you know if we could have men and women both in the same room to do this and and we were so um, just taken with how aware they were as an organization and as a company and so a lot of our work we do with corporations, um, men and women are in the room because it's important to have that dialogue between men and women to make sure, you know, it is a workplace for everybody. You know, women know what the, what the problems are in the workplace. It's, it's us having a dialogue and coming to some kind of agreement together that's going to push us forward and move the needle. Well, Kate Gremion and Carrie Bonacas, I love your passion, your creativity, your ideas. You all are bringing so much to the market here in Baton Rouge and inspiring entrepreneurs throughout throughout the area you've been such fun guests thanks for joining me today on out to lunch thank you so much good luck with your future endeavors thank Thank you. you my guests today on out to lunch have been carrie bonacaz of bonacaz absinthe and home and better than ezra and kate gremion of mavenly and company 
The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsbatonrouge.la, and on our It's Baton Rouge Facebook page. These photos were taken by Carrie Hosford. You can find more of Carrie's photos at carriehosford.com. You can hear this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsbatonrouge.la. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitchell's music is available wherever great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. And by Shewart & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. <laughs>